Hello and welcome to the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Darren Eggenschwiller, and him, Sir Ben Kingsley. <laughs> Not really. The power of suggestion there. Uh, so carry on. <laughs> so um, today we're going to start things off by talking about... Uh, I was going to talk about the fact that we have been voted the best podcast called the Scottish Liberty Podcast in the world ever. Uh, and that's official. Who who was allowed to vote in that particular? <laughs> well, there was me. Um, I think Anthony spoke to some people in India who didn't really know what he was talking about. Just said yes eventually. Um, so yeah, excellent. We are yeah. So it's me, Tom Laird, and today on the show, we have got a fucking show and a half. Jugglers, fire eaters, strippers. You name it, we don't have any of that. But what we do have is uh, I'm going to speak uh, just a little bit about uh, one of the the one of the guys from the great writing writing partnership that was Galton Simpson has died. Alan Simpson, um, and if you haven't seen Step Toe and Son, an old episode of Step Toe and Son, you should whatever you, you have to do to do it, go and watch it. It's it's fantastic. It was groundbreaking in its time. Uh, I believe. Uh, th- at one point, the Prime Minister Harold Wilson asked Galton and Simpson if they could. This is the days before, you know, video recorders, and you couldn't. Uh, you know, who, who even remembers video recorders? You couldn't just download it when you wanted to. So you had to actually be there physically in front of the television set if you wanted to see it. And if you missed it, the chances are you wasn't going to come around again for a couple of years. So. Um, what Harold Wilson asked Galton and Simpson to do was that if they could uh, postpone their episode of um, Step Twin Son for a day or even a couple of hours because it was election day and he thought if if it goes out far too many people will be in the house watching Step Twin Son <laughs> and they won't come out and vote. So And they did it, they obliged them, they, they put it out later than no normal. Way. But um, if you haven't seen any of Step Twin Son, watch it. It's great. It's it's. I think it's probably the start of social realism and comedy. Extremely funny. Not a lot of people know, but Harry H. Corbett, who who played the the son in it, uh, was kind of Stanislavski school um, actor. You know, tipped in his day to be the next uh, Marlon Brando. He was the British Marlon Brando. Great actor of stage, and then suddenly got trapped in this comedy series on TV for years and couldn't get out of it and it was kind of his doom uh, <clears throat> but but brilliant stuff and if you if you can there's a I think it was, it was on BBC4 it occasionally comes up on iPlayer it's called Steptoe and uh, or The Curse of Steptoe and Son I think it was called and it's just about that whole relationship between Wilford Bramble and Harry H Corbett and it's superb stuff so yeah sadly uh so he, Alan 80, Simpson's yeah, he was, uh, he was, he was a, a, a nice long life. Yeah, I guess you know, eighty-seven. After it says here a long battle. I hate when they say it's a battle. You know, a long battle with lung disease. His manager has said. So yeah, sadly missed. And uh, if you care, uh, former it girl Tarara Rara Boomdia, uh, Tara Palmer Tonkin. She's died. She's only forty-five. She's quite a good-looking bird in her day, I think. But anyway. So, oh, so that's that done with. Uh, so we want to move on to uh, the Speaker of the House. Not this house, indeed. But, um, how's this for a fucking glass of water, by the way? This is the kind, this is the kind of glass of water you get when you're in Darren's house. Um, yeah, uh, but I was going to say Stephen Berkov, but he's a fucking actor and a John, director. John Berkov. <laughs> fuck off, you fuck <laughs> off. Um, no, yeah, John Berkov. It's Berkov. Isn't it? Even though it's bear cow, bear cow, it's spelled. Yeah, bear speaker cow. bear cow, bear cow. Is he still married to that nutty woman? I don't, I don't know. I don't uh, know. Sally name. bear, yeah, Sally bear cow. She usually gets all the attention. Um, I, I, what I've, I didn't know because you only usually see him on that throne in in the Commons. Yeah, um, he's actually pretty small. He has a celebrity him, short arse. Yeah, yeah. You, you, like you see him walking next to uh, President Obama. Um, 
back in the day. <laughs> the president Obama know he was walking beside them and was just like stalking well, them. Well, <laughs> the description they used was, was uh, President Obama leads like uh, the, the little dog around, you know, leads around like a little dog kind of thing. Right. So what was he showing uh, Obama about the Houses of Parliament or what? Or? It's something like that, like giving him okay. a tour or something like that. So, but, uh, but Obama was leading the way in the photo they were talking about. So the, um, the, the, the reason that's interesting is because he was so... Uh, because people are, are saying that, oh, he, he's like liberal and he's not supposed to be political. Um, mm. And of course, he's, he's um, saying that he isn't going to extend an invitation to Donald Trump to speak to the Commons. Yeah, which I believe is within his remit uh, to do or not to do. However, it's the, the, what's really uh, boiling the piss or burning the toast to be more polite. Burning of, of proverbial toast. Yeah, burning the proverbial toast of certain uh, Tory MPs is he's not supposed to make it public. He's, you know, ah. he's, he's, he's not, uh, you know, the, the famous quote from one of the, fa- from the, one of the ancient and famous uh, speakers of the house was during the, the civil war in England when, it, when he was asked to speak, he says, I, uh, I have no mouth to speak but that this house gives me leave to do so, right? You know, so he's he's not really supposed to stick his oar in. He's only there to to moderate who speaks. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what the that's what people are are, are getting upset about the fact that he's done that. Um, but so, you, but you disagree? You'd think that he's he was well within his rights. No, no, he's within his rights not to uh, extend the invitation. Extend the invitation. He yep. he's got a veto. He can he can do that. It's it's generally not done, but he can do it. Same with the whoever's the I guess whoever's the, the in the chair of the House of Lords if they have one. Okay. They do that, that he's supposed to uh, issue an invitation. If he doesn't do it, then they, they don't get an invite. So that, that it's within their remit to do that. What everybody's upset about is the fact that he made it public and and made that statement. In the so House of Commons, that, that oversteps his his remit as far as as far as people's concerned. Right. I don't think he's actually bro- I don't know if he's actually broken any rules or whether it's just a distasteful or yeah, it's a convention. Yeah, it's a convention that he's broken. Right. Rather than a rule, I think. But I'm sure somebody will ding, put a, a a comment there and let us know if I'm talking bollocks. Yeah, it's, the chances yes. are. If someone knows the laws of the House of Commons... What are the laws of the House of Commons regarding the Speaker? Uh, If you've got a lot of time in your hands and (laughs) don't have a girlfriend and there's not an episode of Doctor Who on or the next season of Star Trek hasn't started yet, you can can get down to that and let us know exactly what the situation is there. Um, But yeah, the the, the odd thing is for me, I, I think, you know, hypocrisy abounds in these issues. But uh, they rolled out the red carpet for the Chinese premier, you know, years ago, and he right. was he was perfectly happy. Well, if he wasn't happy, he didn't say so at the time. Uh, but the Emir of Kuwait, I was uh, going to look up what to call him. It was like yeah, president. Of yeah, Kuwait? I think it's the Emir, Emir. the Emir um, of of Kuwait. Kuwait. What would the problem with that be? And what would the problem with inviting? Um, a Chinese premier. Oh, well, you know they just don't like Chinese folk. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, it's well. <laughs> if I had to say that China had probably one of the worst human rights records in the face of the planet, would I be close to the mark? Um, I, I don't know Chinese history, so right. I, I could okay. tell you. But yes, that's certainly the sentiment that seem that people seem to have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it's yeah. The, the, and they've done a lot of nasty things to the Dalai Lama. Although, in fairness, uh, Tibet, or Tibet, whatever you want to call it, under the Lamas, was no picnic either. It was quite a brutal sort of feudal regime. Uh, so I don't really, you know, I'm not a big fan of the Dalai Lama either. But needless to say, I know that they, they crucified uh, a lot of Christians in Tibet and sort of drove nails through their eyes and things like that, you know. So, uh, right. yeah, I mean, that, in fairness, that wasn't under the tenure of that, that particular Chinese premier. But they do. They still. It's not. You know. It's not. A, it's not a democracy. It's effectively a fascist state. Uh, China. You know. It's a. It's an autocracy with a. A, a capitalist economy. Right. Um, and, and Kuwait. Pres- presumably, the hypocrisy there is that the. Um, well, they, they, the, one of the things that the speaker said about Trump is that he was a misogynist, 
And Did he actually say he was a misogynist? He literally said racist, misogynist, or he said he said that the rhetoric being used yeah. is racist and misogynist. Like that's the clip that I heard anyway. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, well, we're talking I, about. I hope I don't know. If, I don't know what the the convention is in that, but I would maybe like Donald Trump to sue him because I mean misogyny is quite a. If 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 Donald Trump hated women, why the fuck would he marry one? You know, I, I don't. You know, or, or was it just to keep her the slave or whatever? I really don't know why would he why would he marry uh, a woman if he hated women that much? I mean, he would just be the first gay president of the United States. Well, the probably gay ones before they just went out of the closet. But yeah, or, or at least he would be uh, someone who do- doesn't settle with one woman. Yeah. For a long period of time, he wouldn't totally. bother marrying yeah. if he hated women. And he he he, 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 he MGTOW. Yeah, he has a daughter who has he, who he's brought into you know and his sort of circle of, of, of governance and uh, you know that would be the last thing he would do surely if he was a misogynist but like John Berko like a lot of people on the left uh, misogyny and racism is just labels they apply to people that they disagree with right um, so I guess everybody's a misogynist and a racist now I, I definitely am because uh, you know I disagree with John Berkow and a lot of stuff, so uh, I must be, you know, are you a misogynist? Oh, I get, I get it, yeah, I know what it is, because of that locker room thing, because it was like, oh, you grab women by the pussy. Um, if he'd have said, if he was gay and he said he liked grabbing men by the arse, would that have been a problem? I, I, I really don't know. I think it was locker room talk. I don't think he's a misogynist. Uh, I think he's never said anything that most guys haven't said in his life. I've never... I've done it five ever. Have I ever grabbed a woman by the pussy? Um, <laughs> not with their knowledge, anyway. No, uh, I don't. I I jest. I, oh, he made a joke about sexual assault. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay, right. Um, so anyway, so I don't think he's a. He's not a racist. He's not a fascist. He might be a dick. Okay, I'm willing to accept that. But he's not a racist or a fascist. There are far worse people than Donald Trump. The guy is a major world statesman. He's coming, he's making a state visit to the UK. Get fucking over it. You know, I think the whole problem with John Berkov here is his, the guy that he didn't back won. You know, if Hillary Clinton had been fucking coming to the UK, you know, they, they, you know they'd had her addressing the house and they've been fucking applauding you know and she's a cunt you know so uh, so take that <laughs> stick that up your arse John Verkov yeah I don't really have a problem with the guy usually I think he seems to be a quite a reasonable speaker of the house um, yeah like previously yeah um, he was just kind of neutral I thought yeah I mean he's a he's a bit posh well he's but is he um, really? I, I don't know. What, um, I mean, he, uh, well, he just seems a bit posh. Right, okay. But that's it. Like, well, there's I'm nothing for, wrong with I'm that. I'm for Bell Cell. Everybody's posh. Um, <laughs> other, other than me. So, yeah, he he's one of these strange guys. I think he came from the moderate right. Okay. And sort of drifted towards more towards the left. He's I don't, a, I don't know a, what goes on there. be a radical centrist in that case. Yeah, he must be. Um with some strange ideas about who is and who isn't a misogynist and a racist. I mean, it is his house, though, presumably. So no. he gets to decide. Well, it's not his house. Surely it's the people's house. The people's house. Yeah. The, the common and people's house. He gets to live in it occasionally and get all the cheap booze and stuff like that. It goes around cheap subsidised food. Oh, there's cheap booze. Yeah, the what? House of Co- yeah, the House of Commons uh, bar is one of the cheapest places. No, that I'm serious. Like, correct me. We should we should check this out. But I I think I'm right in saying that you can get a pint in the House of Commons bar pretty reasonably cheaper than anywhere you get it round about. They give themselves exemptions. It's, it's subsidized. It, I'm sure it's subsidized. Yeah, man, that reminds me of one thing that really pissed me off. You know the um, what's it called? Pat testing for electrical goods. You Pat sort of, testing. Yeah, so you're required to. <laughs> Dude. Is this this thing on? Is that something packed in? No, it's uh, right. so you're supposed to get um, all electronics good goods pack tested every uh, now and again. I wonder if okay. I can show you. What it's it's it's, it's packed. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, there, there is a really lame joke I could make there about Irish 
people, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to stoop so low. Um, you you kind of did just by yeah, kind of did yeah. just by mentioning. I might I as well go the whole hog. So I wonder if I can tr trick the camera to yeah, close up. There we go. You see this la label? There we go. That's been pat tested. So uh, right, every electronic um, thing needs to be pat tested. Apparently, especially like if you're running a business and um, your insurance, um, your public liability insurance doesn't cover anything that hasn't been pat tested right. in the last, you know, a specific amount of time. Okay. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is there is one place in the UK which is exempt from those laws. The fucking pat testing office that makes everyone else do it. They made themselves exempt from it. Yeah, well, this, again, this abounds. You know, there's the, you've got the Equalities Commission looking at uh, statistics on, on, on people's, uh, whether or not you've got enough disabled people in your workplace, or whether you've got enough women in your workplace, of course. Okay. They were asked at a Commons Committee by Phil Davis, who's a fucking legend in my book, anyway, uh, about, you know, how many, you know, what, was, what the wage gap was in their... Uh, offices and how many were and they, they, they didn't have the figures at hand and, and he d he did the Phil Davis and read them back because it really surprised you to know that you're and, and they were terrible apparently and you go like well you're the fucking commit you're the office that deals with this thing you're responsible for making sure everybody else is on song and yet your own office can so if your own office can't do it who can yeah so it's a load of bollocks you know government it's a cancer classic Classic yeah. gubernment. So, Speaker of the House, yeah, we're, we're, we're done with him. Are we? Norwegian Airlines is something you wanted to talk about. Well, it, was try it kind of links in with Trump, um, because uh, apparently what's happened is we've got... Well, Trump's pretty... One of the things that we disagree with Trump on, there's a lot of things to disagree with Trump on, in case anybody thinks we're, we're, we're sticking up for Trump too much here... Uh, he is a bit of a dick in some ways. He, he he goes and does something, I go right on, and then he does something else, and I go, that's fucking insane. I think his economic policy is all over the place, and one of the things we disagree with as libertarians is his protectionism. You know, it doesn't work, and historically, it's been a pretext to war. Um, however, because he's protectionist, uh, the airline pilots in America. Um, here we go. Again, this is uh, the I newspaper. United States News. Norwegian air costs US jobs, pilots tell Trump. US pilots are asking Donald Trump to ground low-cost flights from Europe operated by Norwegian. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I've, I've flown Norwegian. They're pretty much uh, EasyJet with a Scandinavian accent. They're EasyJet with hotter stewardesses. Oh. Um, and even stewards so, sold yeah. sold so uh, so you're from Norwegian including the airline's routes from Gatwick to New York Florida California and Las Vegas Captain Todd Insler hi there I'm Captain Todd Insler um, so I sounded a bit piratey there I'll try that again <laughs> I'm Captain Todd Insler are you be flying with me today uh, sorry, I'll just leave that. Captain Todd Insler, who chairs a body representing 12,000 United Airlines pilots. 12,000 United Airlines pilots? That's a hell of a lot of pilots. Um, that's just, so that's just United Airlines. Yeah, there's, there's a ludicrous number of planes in the air as we speak. Fuck me with a big thousands. stick. Thousands. Right, okay. <laughs> thousands and thousands of planes fleeing about. Um... So yeah, United Airlines pilots called Norwegian a flag of convenience airline, whatever that means. In a letter to President Trump, he said, Barack Obama's decision to allow budget transatlantic flights will destroy our US, US airline industry and all of the jobs associated with it. Captain Todd claimed the airline's business model undercuts the marketplace and steals US jobs. They took our jobs. They took our chicken jobs. I never got what that was about, but uh, yeah, it's a it's an episode of South Park. They do a whole oh. skit on it. Yeah, you just just check out if you go on YouTube and uh, check out South Park. They, they took, took our, our jobs, jobs. Okay. and it's just a countless amount of people. They took our jobs, and then by the end of it, everybody kind of mishears it. So it's like they broke his job. <laughs> they took his dog. <laughs> Took his fucking dog, man. Okay, so uh, we digress. <laughs> um, 
Um, so, so yeah. just to get us back on track, currently yeah. there are 6,000 planes in the air, I checked. You right at check. this very moment in time. Right at this okay. very moment. And how many of them are, uni- are uh, United Airlines? That is a good question. Mm-hmm. That's why I asked it again. About, uh, about, yeah, no, I have no idea. Yeah, okay, I thought you were just going to pull a figure <laughs> out of your ass there. I was going to quit. You were, you were tempted. Is that, could... is that helpful to our viewers? No. And the answer is no, so we'll move on. Okay, I hope you will boisterously... <laughs> Oppose this bad decision. How do you boist? I fucking oppose this decision. How do you boisterously go and get drunk? They uh, took our planes. Get drunk, gate crash a fucking congressional meeting and fart and blow a air horn and uh, maybe have some strippers and a mariachi band as well at the same time and actually could boisterously oppose something. So anyway, he's going to watch something boisterously oppose the bad decision. Bjorn Kjus, or is it Bjorn Kjos, the chief executive of Norwegian said they are trying to protect their jobs and uh, we are doing exactly what Trump likes us to do, right? We have a lot of American employees. His airline plans to expand its services between the UK and the US. So, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, uh, I think United Airlines are just trying to protect their own jobs and their own wages. But on the other hand, they're perfectly right within the context that Donald Trump is a protectionist president. So I guess they're just doing, yeah, you know, what they have to do. This guy's a protectionist. He's protecting the car industry's jobs. He's protecting the manufacturing industry's jobs, or he says that he's going to do that. So why wouldn't you then protect the airline industry's jobs by saying, you know, if you run a foreign airline into America, you can sod off, frankly, or you can pay tariffs in order to bring your passengers in here um, if you're competing with an American airline. So he's consistent across the board. Yeah, it should be protectionism. So if it, you know, at least if it, I think it's insane, but if he was at least consistent on his protectionism, why? why is it insane? Why is protectionism insane? Because it, it destroys competition. Why should American, why should American workers be denied the right to cheap uh, goods from overseas? Why should uh, American consumers be denied? the right to cheat, or well, not a right, but the opportunity to cheat flights and cheat travel from foreign uh, competition. You know, if you're an American, fuck, you know what, dudes, compete. You know, it's, it's getting easier and easier, I guess, to fly a plane. Much of it is done by, uh, by computer. And I, okay, I guess that when it comes to the crunch, um, and things go horribly wrong, you really need to know what you're doing. But I guess, yeah, yeah, you know, I I guess that it's it's just getting easier and easier to to fly aircraft. So, uh, and presumably our oil prices, what what have oil prices been doing? Have they been going down? Price of I don't know, but I'm sure Darren's about to tell us. Yes. Oil price. What's it been doing recently? Look, I mean, competition's good. Competition's good for everybody all of the time, you know? What you want is that competition to be across the board so that the cost of living for everybody comes down, you know? That's why protectionism isn't good. Um, It sounds good at first. I mean, I used to be in it. I used to go, yeah, you know, buy locally. And if you want to do that, I guess you should. You know, if you want to buy local, uh, buy local and keep the local guy employed. But how long do you keep that up for? Are you going to reward shoddy service, um, you know, overpriced services and overpriced goods, um, inefficiency? How long do you reward that for before you say, do you know what? The stuff that's been made in India is far cheaper, far better quality made, and you know it lasts longer. That might not be the case, but if it is, why wouldn't you buy it? You know, why reward the guy who keeps churning out shit products at, at, at more expensive prices? Barack Obama bailed out was it um, General Motors, right, to the tune of billions of dollars. 
in order for them to keep making automobiles that nobody wants to friggin' buy. What's the point? It would have been cheaper to give each employee of General Motors a million dollars each probably and just say, go and build, go and get a new job or go and start your own factory building hand-built cars or start your own business doing whatever. You know, with that million dollars, rather than people want, yeah, make something that people want to buy at a competitive price. Mm. Um, it protectionism causes all sorts of problems, and as libertarians, we oppose it. You know, so um, about if he's going to be consistent in his protectionism, yeah, why wouldn't you ban foreign airlines from flying into the United States because that is competing with your your pilots? You know, I mean, I I spoke on an earlier episode about um. Uh, sort of why I think that some sort of protectionism um, makes like why it makes pragmatic sense as much as I disagree ideologically sure, sure. well I remember because it was like because of the trade deficits and um, right. because of currency manipulation and they were like oh right, right well stop currency manipulation yeah that's and a I, case against currency manipulation what I don't get with this one is Norway isn't I, I don't think Norway is... I, I don't think it's much cheaper to live and build a business in Norway than it is in America. So right. I don't get how that this protect, protect, protectionism in this case would be even pragmatic in that sense. Yeah. It? So yeah. this makes... So what, what, so no what you're saying is there, there, may, there may be pragmatic cases for protectionism, yeah. but they, it, they, they don't apply... They don't apply in this yeah. case because um, if you imagine like clothes making, um, so to get a room full of people to make a whole bunch of clothes um, who live in, uh, let's say, India, yeah, it obviously is going to be much easier for them to compete price-wise. Yeah, I know I like my clothes to be made by three-year-olds in Bangladesh. Well, but, um, <laughs> well not necessarily three-year-olds, but, but yeah, so that makes some sense. Um, yeah pragmatically to try and keep jobs in the country i guess um but it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to get a nor to stop a norwegian um competitor because yeah presumably there's not going to be how many airplane companies are competing in america already like tons i suppose yeah loads so you've got internal competition but i guess internal competition's easier to control you can put in Regulator. all sorts of regulations to, right. to stop that. Whereas foreign airlines may not may not be subject to the same regulations as your own guys. Ah, right, yeah. So but then that's put, a case against regulation, not a case against competition. So perhaps there are like and fuel protectionism. Perhaps there are fuel taxes in America um, that don't Possibly. apply in Norway. Yeah, and that's why there's some form of protectionism yeah. so really it's yeah it's really fucking bad because really we want them to have to compete with norway by yeah. removing their um, air taxes yeah we'll talk about regulations on on, on airlines and, and air taxes i mean the scottish government apparently um if i have the uh yeah again this is the i uh so oh yeah there was something about yeah um and reducing the amount of air tax we pay. Yeah, well, the headline is cut air tax to help save tourism. Um, and it says, excuse us while Darren dies. <laughs> Die in your own time, not <laughs> podcast time. Thank you very much, sir. Um, Sorry. Uh, just in case you're wondering, but I'm not going through chemo and I'm not trying to look cool. I'm, just, I'm absolutely Baltic. It's If you don't live in Scotland, it's absolutely Fucking freezing. My nuts fell off at least half an hour ago, and I'm gonna to have to find them. They're rolling about the floor here somewhere. Yikes. But um, yeah. But anyway, cut air tax to help save tourism. What? Um, yeah, that's tourism. If you're American, not tourism, as George Bush used to call it. We've got to stop tourism. Tourism. Uh, <laughs> cutting air passenger duty (APD), if you like, uh, if you prefer the Latin. <laughs> in Scotland could help save some tourism businesses from closure, a Holyrood committee has been told. Okay. Some what? What from the closing, sorry? Uh, save some businesses from closure. Tourism businesses from oh. closure. Yeah. yeah. Allow me to continue. Please. <laughs> I will. 
The industry is facing an unprecedented rise in costs. Well, I guess one of those rises in costs may be the minimum wage going up, but... Uh, uh, unprecedented rise in costs with many companies at risk of going under, the Scottish Tourism Alliance, the STA, said. Scottish government plans to slash air tax by 50% could be part of a rescue package by helping to boost visitor numbers it added. The reduction will begin when a Scottish replacement to APD is introduced in April 2018 and it will be delivered in full by the end of this parliament. Ministers hope the move will increase the number of direct flights to and from the country. The STA gave evidence to the Finance Committee on the Air Departure Tax Scotland Bill. There's another piece of legislation that we needed like a feckin' hole in the head. Chairman Stephen Leckie said, the massive uplift in costs for this industry may mean that some businesses in tourism will close. They just can't afford to keep their doors open. It's as blunt and simple as that. So, so they're saying that this will add one billion to the Scottish economy somehow. Yeah, apparently. But do you know what? Why is there a tax on air flight to start with? Well, I, I immediately assume that this is some sort of um, green energy virtue signalling. That, I think, is a big part of it. Now, this is, this is the problem. Now, you've got the Greens and the SNP in alliance. So they want to, to reduce the carbon footprint of all of us by taxing us whenever we fly. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't want to fuck up tourism. So they're reducing the amount of tax. So. Yeah, that, this is... This is uh, I mean, what bugs the utter shite out of me with the 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 greens as um and you know the, the SNP are kind of like green there's a love-in going on at the moment with the greens and the SNP because they both have decided that they both want to raise tax across the board um and the, rob the even SNP. more people to pay for their fucking idiocy you and know? of course the uh, SNP don't want the greens stealing their votes the, as yeah. soon as they come up with something green exactly. oh, oh we, yeah. we, we, so we there's think competition there between the two of them to be greener than we always yeah. thought of yeah. that we were, think, we, were go we thought of that first we were just we were going to do it we, we wondered how long it would take you to work that one out yeah but we would see we've got this We've got this paper here that we've already drawn up, you know. So yeah, there's a white. This, they're doing this white paper thing. But anyway, um, the Greens chanter on about you know how how we're all fucking up the planet. Now look, if you if you believe in anthropogenic climate change, which I don't, okay, but I have one of the greenest carbon footprints of anybody I know. You know, I don't have a car. I very rarely take public transport when I do go anywhere I'd, I'd cycle not because I think it's an inherently virtuous thing to do right but because it's just the cheapest way of getting around for me you know and if I don't cycle and efficient energy and efficient, efficient. Yeah, energy efficient and what however uh there and I've some people uh, inform me that bicycles most bicycles aren't as green as everybody thinks because it takes they've got a steel frame and it takes a blast furnace to make a steel frame, so it's a, there's a lot of carbon emissions there. But anyway, so a cycle around... God. Yeah, no, uh, bicycles and carbon emissions shot. So <laughs> I I do a lot of cycling around. If I don't cycle, I walk, I walk. And then I can't remember when I, I last took a taxi. Very rarely, and when I do, it's somebody else that usually pays for it. So I've got a really... And I, I have you know, very rarely go on holiday because I can't afford to. So I've got a really low carbon footprint compared to some people I know in the Green Party who are always jetting here, there and everywhere. And then they go, yeah, but I carbon offset, right? What the hell is a carbon offset? Well, I've it's like you, there's, 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 there's loads of these companies out there now making an absolute fortune on carbon offset. And it was like, so it's like back in medieval times, the Catholic Church would charge people indulgences, right? So if you were going to go and rape and pillage your next door neighbour, right? Are you going to go and rape and pillage the next country? Okay. You And you were a king and you're going to commit this atrocity. You would go to the, the church and you'd say, Father, forgive me for what I am about to do. Oh, like right? a, pre, a prepaid credit card. Yeah, absolutely. You go, Father, forgive me for I'm about to go and <laughs> rape and pillage my neighbours. How much will it cost me to be all right in with the big man upstairs, right? <laughs> and the priest would go, well, you know, we need a church built, we need a cathedral built, we need, uh, you know, we need an orphanage built. Pull we on need, the guilt We strings. need a nunnery next door so that the, the, me and the rest of the lads can go and 
pump the nuns whenever we felt like it. If you think I'm joking, that kind of stuff went on in the medieval church, maybe even still does. Right, you know, nuns, uh, you know, convents were nothing more than glorified brothels for priests and bishops. Like, you know. So, yeah, okay, that says lost the Catholic vote. So anyway, um, where was it? Yeah, yeah, so how did we get onto this? Yeah, anyway, so there was this, they had this sin tax. Syntax. So yeah, so that you paid money to the church and they forgave you before you went and done something. It was right. called indulgences, and it was the catalyst for the Reformation. You know, Martin Luther was outraged by this idea that you know you could that you know prepay for your you sins. could pay for your sins. You know, and and get people out of purgatory at the same time. You know, you, you pay sixty thousand ducats to the church. And it could get one of your relatives who was a complete and utter bastard out of purgatory uh, huh. if you if you paid off the church. You know, a guy called Friar Tetzel used to travel around Germany uh, saying to people these little collection box saying, you know, uh, whenever a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Right, you know, so yeah, they, they made money out of it. Now you've got the modern day equivalent, because nobody's religious anymore, really. You know, a few people on the, the fringes, you know. Like, um, yeah, okay. yeah. But the new religion is basically environmentalism. And what they do is they say, well, if you want to pollute the planet, that's very bad, but you can carbon offset. So you go to a carbon offsetting company and you can pay them money and they will plant trees for you. Oh, really? Right. Or they will do something green. Virtue signaling. Yeah, some virtue signaling thing and which will absolve you, my son, of your fucking expensive flight to you know, <laughs> you know, to China, wherever it is you're going, jetting around the world, extolling the virtues of, of green to, living. You know, yeah. Ca ca so Cambodia. you can carbon offset. So for me, I think, well, I tell you what, why don't we all drive more cars take more flights, burn more mattresses in their back garden <laughs> so that we can do even more carbon offsetting. How great would that be, you know? Yay. So either these things are bad and we should stop doing them or, you know, or just shut the fuck up, you know? So anyway, um, yeah, so we've got this bizarre situation where the taxes for flying um, and now they find that, well, the tourism industry's suffering from that, so they say. Right. Um, and now we should cut the tax on the flights to encourage people to fly more. So, so, did, so did they not think ahead and, you know, Well, imagine, this is government they're talking about. Yeah. Well, yeah, that seems super obvious. Yeah. If you tax something, you get less of it because you're discouraging it. Because the whole point yeah. was to discourage oh, it. Absolutely. And, it, and it, it worked to that extent in discouraging people. And now they're like, oh, whoops, maybe we shouldn't have discouraged people from flying. Well, this is, this is if it's true that that's why. I mean, like, there could be all sorts of, you know, correlation is not necessarily causality, causation. right? You know? So causation, yeah, sorry. But uh, is it causation or causality? Uh, both work. Okay, well, I'll go for causation. The, like the expression is, uh, correlation is not causation. Is it? I'm pretty sure. Says who? Me. Let's Google it. Controversial. <laughs> I will not be contradicted on this show, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go for correlation is not necessarily causality. This sounds better to me. But correlation is not causation. Is it? Top four hits, yeah. Fuck you, it's, man. It's Latin, so... It's Latin? Yeah, it's Latin. I didn't know I could speak Latin, but there you go. Okay, so anyway, let's get back on track here. So they're, they're now they're talking. They're, they're, they're seriously considering cutting air tax. I'm not saying cutting air tax is a bad thing. I don't. I just don't know why it's there in the first place. And why? Why is, it, why is it only by fifty percent? Yeah. What why point? Are they just half? At what point does who works out? At what point it's going to help like the is industry? It, is it a bad idea or not? Like, it, well, look, it's flying a bad idea. If it is, look. Guys, if aerial craft are killing the planet, then it's got to fucking stop now. <laughs> it's, like, it's just such a ridiculous thing to say. How the hell could aircraft be killing the planet? Well, they can't, don't you know? It's Gaia, right? This is Gaia. <laughs> Mother Gaia is actually a living organism, right? It lives, it breathes, it's even got a wee personality of its own, right? You know? So it, it's a load of Gaia worshipping bollocks, right? You know, it really is. It's the mother, it's the, you know, the 
for too long, you know, uh, you know, the patriarchy's been all patriarchal and everything's all, you know, God's uh, God's masculine and like, everybody's God's masculine. There's not enough goddesses. So the ultimate motherfucker, right? The ultimate mother goddess is this planet that we all share. Yeah, and we all drink from the tit of Mother Gaia. So, uh, look, look, I'm not saying it's a good idea to pollute things. It's a bad idea. Uh, and I like greenery, and I like green stuff, and I like the environment, and I like little animals and things well, jumping around. That's an interesting um, sort of thought experiment. Is uh, So, presumably, you would deal with um, I like pollutants. clean water. Yeah. yeah, you like clean water, you like clean air. So, yeah. you deal with polluting other people's private air yeah by what well, so air is one of those things that's like inherently public because mm-hmm. even if uh, we're within my home yeah. and my neighbors through there but if i were to like release some gas here yeah. for example yeah it technically it would go through to his um space yeah. very quickly because yeah. of diffusion laws and that's physics yeah. right yeah so then should i have to pay reparations to him for um, letting off this gas, assuming it damages his property. If it does damage his property, and it can be proved that it damages his property and him, then I, I guess so. You know. Um, so that's how you deal with um, uh, carbon dioxide. Emissions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, apparently it was the case that back in the day, um, I'm saying back in the day, way before my time, and it's hard to believe that you could uh, you could sue a, a factory. Or an industry, you know, if if they, like if you hung out washing, yeah. and the factory pumped out smoke and it blackened your washing, oh, like coal burning smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you that. could take the factory to court and sue it to get your washing cleaned, right? Or you know, foot the bill, you know. Right. But a utilitarian argument stepped in and said. Look, you selfish little fucking individual. All you care about is your poxy washing. Don't you understand that this factory employs people? It creates jobs, you know? And you, you selfish little individual, the great, the rights of the collective are greater than your rights, and so therefore stop taking the factories to court. So they, they put the kibosh on that kind of thing. So that's... And, you know, farmers were able to... So when the railways... The railroad started in America... Uh, farmers, when the the sparks came out of the the funnels of uh, of locomotives, and set fire to crops or set fire to huh. haystacks, farmers were able to sue through the court the railroads for damaging their, their crops, and that and that incentivized actually the railroads to put um, mesh over the top of the funnels to stop sparks from stop flying out. Yeah. You know? So when you when you could sue that, but then government actually clamped helped. Corporations and big industrial companies help them to to get their own way against the small guy who was who was trying to you know uh, sort of recompense themselves against this kind of bullshit. Right. So, government creates legislation, then helps corporations find ways round about it. Hold on a second. Then also, what government does is it uh, it introduces one sort of tax. Like what's done with this this uh, this air tax? So it's introduced that. What I'm thinking. Yeah. Now, like, so really, what the government is doing. Thanks for here, interrupting there because there was no idea where it was going. So, with that. Sorry, but it yeah, happens. So what what the government's actually doing is uh, saying to uh, um, companies that complete um, pollute uh, pollute things, <laughs> complete companies that they're pollute, complacent in polluting, so they've completed. They've completed. So companies that are polluting um, by flying these airplanes, the government is saying, um, people don't really like that, so give us a wee bit of your profits, yeah. and on you go, mate. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's kind of what happens. Because they're not actually paying damages to the people that no, they don't negatively pay it, affecting. Yeah. yeah. And presumably most, because, in most, most cases, yeah. So presumably because it's not measurable. Because if you could measure the damage, like your mm. farm burning down, yeah, yeah. or your farmland being destroyed, then you would be able to actually sue. Yeah. Well, if you can't measure it, how do they know that it's happening? Yeah. Which is exactly my point. Yeah. Um, but it just seems to me that government does one thing, you know, it introduces a tax on the one hand, and then does something completely opposite on the other. Um, because people, why, what, if, if, people if, like going on holiday. Yeah. That's well, that, apparently that's said. what Nicola Sturgeon yeah. said. Well, people like going on holiday. 
I'm sorry, that's not a moral argument. You may be right, but it's not a moral argument. Um, it's not even really relevant. It's, it's a bit like, no, it's a bit like saying, what about this slavery? You know, it's pretty bad. Do we get rid of it or what? No, people like cotton, you know. <laughs> they like wearing it, you know. So, uh, so let's <laughs> let's just keep it. You know, what the hell, you know. Who... Yeah, get rid of slavery. Are you mad? Who's going to pick the cotton? You know, who's who's going to... You know, if we, if we free Uncle Remus, who's going to read your kids a bedtime story at night? You know, um, so governments constantly... So it's not a moral argument. You know, it's either... Either air flight and air travel is destroying the planet or it's not. And if it's destroying the planet... Stop it now. I got into trouble. Uh, I used to work for a car company. And, you know, the, there's a lot Wait of... A ad, the, you Are you advocating air tags? No. If it's all all, all I'm saying is, right, why be hypocritical? Right? right? If it's really that bad for the planet, stop it. It's far too important. Right? Just stop doing it. You know? Uh, don't... <laughs> encourage it to continue <laughs> and then you know and then tax it what's the what's the point of that it's either bad for you or it isn't if it's bad for you just stop it um and if, if you're a greeno out there and you think that air travel's bad don't fucking do it you know it's, it's really it's really that simple hold on i get it now Right, so so they introduced this tax, thinking yeah. they would make loads of money skimming off the top of these companies. Yeah. And what happened is fewer people flew because yeah. of the tax. And they're like, wait, but we were going to tax some money from you. Yeah. So now they have to reduce the tax yeah. because they, they need to find the right price yeah. so that they can cream the most off the top. Yeah. I mean, they tell you that fossil fuels are killing the planet, right? Maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen direct evidence, uh, direct conclusive evidence that that's happening um but you know let's say we just take the the, the worst case scenario thing and say well, let's just get rid of it anyway just because it's too risky um uh, where was i going with that yeah i used to work for a car company um and they they arm wave and they do platitudes you know and every advert or their advert they put out is about how green their, their, their car is and how green's important and bloody bloody blah and you go like look see if it's that important See if it's killing it. Stop your production line right fucking now. Immediately. Immediately. Get into your showroom and tell all those salesmen to stop selling cars because it's what it's it's actually killing the planet. It's too fucking important, right? It's far too important. So let's stop the charade, right? And it is a fucking charade. It's it's just a way of government making more money. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. So there shouldn't be a tax on, on air travel to start as far as I'm concerned. It, I, could, I would call it guilt extortion. Yeah. It's um, extorting. Because I, mean, I think you pay an air travel tax. I think that's on top of normal airport taxes that you would that you would pay anyway. Right. Um, and the only reason they can get it away with it is because we feel guilty about killing the planet. When yeah. In reality, we might be, but it's not measurable. Because if it were, people would stop. Yeah, right. You know, but the the, the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy be, of government. It wouldn't be stop. profitable anymore if you could measure the damage, and the damage yeah. w was too expensive for the company, yeah, airline well, companies to cover. It wouldn't happen. Anymore. Well, this is another thing. You know, government behave in a completely contradictory fashion. They'll tell you that fossil fuels are, are, are damaging the planet, and yet then there's, then they'll subsidise diesel for farmers. Huh, right. right, and they'll subsidise diesel for uh, you know you know road freight, road transport is subsidised uh, here in Scotland. You know uh, road travel, uh, public road travel, uh, coaches and buses subsidised. Well, why are we doing that if it's really dam it's really damaging? Right. Uh, you know, so government behaves in a totally contradiction tactory fashion you know they want you to buy a car because they don't want people who make cars to go unemployed so they want you to buy a car they want you to fuel your car uh, in fact even buy two cars they want you to insure it and tax it and then don't drive it <laughs> basically uh, or drive it and pay lots of tax for driving it 
So it's like, man, it's it's the fucking bullshit piles up so high, you need wings to stay above it. So um, it's the dog, but if it's killing the planet, but it's killing Darren. It is slowly killing me. Okay, moving on to housing. Uh, government, UK government has announced uh, it's putting a white paper. I don't know actually what a white paper does, but anyway, they're, they're producing a white paper. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just a blank piece of white it's paper. Red, they send the... We're going to run round the road to fucking... St- what do you call that? Staples. Yeah, run around to Staples. Staples and get some white paper. And yeah, and th- that's where we're going to put our plan. Apparently, that's the criticism of it. Apparently, the plan is to make a plan. Okay, the plans. So that I see, right? It's, so they're not going to actually build whatever it is, one hundred fifty thousand houses. They're they're just they, going to they're going to figure out how they're going to figure out how to. Yeah. I've got an idea. Instead of the government trying to figure out how to build houses, there's these people out there, right? They're called builders and what they do is they build houses and they'll build as many houses as you want them to as long as you pay them so why not get the fuck out of their faces and out of their (laughs) way and just let them get on with what it is they do which is build houses get ready planning laws you know get ready zoning laws or whatever we call them in this country and just let builders build and the, the you know in fairness I'm not against building more houses. We definitely do need more houses. Or do we? Here's the thing. Here's a strange thing. I know that when I was in the housing market, when I was married, um, we found it extremely difficult to sell, first of all, my first flat. My first flat was about 15 grand, if you can believe that, which is less than what you'd pay for a car. Was this of a size? No, it was quite a It was reasonably size. Old build. You know, it was a granite granite building no you know, big uh, big river, big living room big bedroom uh, hallway a kitchen 15 grand and when it came to selling it we had trouble uh, selling it and had to um, rent it out for a while and part of the reason we had trouble selling it is people were interested in it but the banks would not give out a loan uh, especially to first time buyers on an older build uh, whereas the, the so the banks and the builders and the councils were all in collusion together for mm. people to buy brand new houses as opposed to buying older houses that were on the market that frankly were much better quality and then they go oh the sub the subsiding now the whole of Lanarkshire where I used to live is frankly subsiding because of the amount of mines that are underneath there it's all subsiding but it's not the, the house had been up there for a, over a hundred years it wasn't going to fall down but you've got subsidence so you can't you know we're not going to give out a loan on this mortgage even though it's a cheaper mortgage than the new it's just so it's a cheaper house than the new build right we're not going to uh, we're not going to give out loans in that so there's this collusion going on well, and seems- every week you would look in the newspaper and you would find um, houses that had been on the market for months and months and months and like you know the same houses and people couldn't sell them perfectly good houses and people couldn't sell them because banks would not give loans to first time buyers and wouldn't even give out loans to any buyer uh, because this collusion between banks and uh, building companies and the councils were going on as well because the councils were raking in money from selling off council land, selling off Greenbelt land and, and, and raking in the money, you know? Right. So the, all that stuff was going on. So I don't know if the housing shortage is down to, you know, do we really need to build more houses or do we just need to, do you know what? Let the market do it. Yeah. That's the fucking solution. <laughs> Let the market do it. Certainly there's people who need uh, housing um, and, as we discovered, what, what, what were we looking at earlier? So, yeah, we'll yeah, take a, look at a couple of um, graphs. <coughs> Excuse me, we will take I a look at a graph. We'll take a look at a couple of I'm a graphs man, I like graphs. So, um, Darren's got a boner for graphs. I do have a massive boner for graphs. I don't know about massive, but I uh, carry the, <laughs> the number of homes, in. the number of homes built um, in, in the country since um, the, the 60s has actually gone down steadily so and especially um housing associations and local authorities building houses in in the 70s there was a hundred thousand a year being built um uh where uh and overall three hundred thousand houses a year being built yeah um whereas nowadays it's more like a hundred thousand hundred fifty thousand hundred twenty thousand a year something like that but um, if you compare that to the population growth 
So population growth has been um, going exponential because okay. birth rates are going up and death, really? rates, de- death rates are going down. People so I accept that death rates are going down. People, I accept that. But yeah. I cannot accept that in this country that birth rate is going up. Surely not. Yeah, birth rate's going up. Um, well... According to these it's, figures, according least. to these figures, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I assume it's not here in Scotland because we don't tend to see that. But in places like London, yeah, absolutely, yeah, London population's going up, right? Yeah. So anyway, and, but apparently the housing crisis yeah. well it explains why house pricing is going up so yeah. fast in London because everyone's desperate to get a house. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, people are not shuffling off. Yeah. Um, and because of that. Um, only about 90,000 people a year are downsizing. So this is like yeah. uh, parents whose children have flown left. the coop. Yeah, yeah flown the coop. And they have a, like a five-bedroom house. And there's just one or uh, two individuals in that house now. Okay. That not a lot of them are actually moving out. So there's an estimated £835 billion worth of housing equity um, caught up in about 3 million houses uh, in the country. Right. With over 65-year-olds okay. that are not moving out of these houses to free them yeah. up for large so families. It's like a housing form of bed blocking, really. You know, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, again, I mean, they're, they're, they're entitled to, to live in a six-bedroom house on their own if they Do want. whatever if, if, they if, want. Yeah, if they, if, if they own it. But um, does, for me, it just seems strange, you know, okay, if you, if you listen to certain quarters, and I'm sure they're right, there's a housing crisis, you know, but again, this is where government hypocrisy comes in. Uh, they, they, okay, the labour, the last labour government was brought down apparently because housing prices dropped. I'm sure there was all sorts of other factors as well, but that's one of the reasons it's often cited. Now, remember you said, thou shalt not let house yeah, prices... Yeah, thou shalt not let house prices drop. So yeah. if you build more and more houses, then that means that there's more supply... Uh, and demand drop because well there's more and more houses getting built so the, the price of them comes down or at least stays static so people which explains why they stopped doing that right yeah exactly because they're trying to you know uh, engineer the whole thing to keep property prices artificially high yeah you know and if you're out there you know if you're a property owner unless you are prepared to see the price of your property drop you have got no right to talk about homelessness and you've got no right to talk about a housing crisis, unless you are prepared to watch the price of your property drop by a third, you know, or at very least stay static, you know. Um, I mean, it's fifty times what it was back. When, I mean, oh, back God in the me. yeah. back in the sixties, the late sixties. Yeah, it's about fifty times as expensive nowadays. Yeah, to, uh, to, to buy to, a house. to buy a house. Yeah, it's because there's, there's 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 a lack of, and this is another one that gets you affordable housing. Yeah, we're going to build affordable housing. Really affordable to who? You know, it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. affordable to me. Like you know, you go like oh, that. What hundred and twenty grand? That's an affordable house, is it? You know. Um, so instead of just you know get friggin' planning laws. I mean, there's a lot of people. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would just love to build their own house, but you can't even do that without planning laws and planning permission. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll just get taken away or destroyed. There's stories of people who've built tiny houses and yeah. Okay. And they're like, no, it gets scrapped. You're not allowed to do that, my friend. Yeah, that's insane. It's that, not just insane, that it's might, evil. That yeah. might lower the price of housing. Yeah, of course it will, you know. And we can't have that. You know, housing is housing. Is it, is it better that somebody lives in a house that you might deem is too small for them than not live in a house at all? You know, which one of those two is better, you idiot? You know, um... You'd be much safer than living on the streets, definitely. Yeah, and, and in terms of, of homelessness, I mean, don't, let's, let's try to, to inject a bit of sensibility here. There is far more to homelessness than just not having a house. There's all sorts of issues surrounding homelessness yeah. other than just not having a house. Yeah. Um, I guess there's people out there who will always be homeless for, for, for you know, I guess. I mean, I've heard that and I'm sure it's true. There's certain people who have been housed and they just can't handle it. You know, it's just some, it's like a mental issue that they can't handle and right. they go back to life on the streets. Right. Um, but there's there's so many ways uh, of handling this issue. Right. and I don't, But whatever it is, I'm sure the solution is not government housing. No. Uh, but I reckon, you know, the people say, look, post-war, 
government build lots, built lots and lots of houses uh, for for rent, cheap, low cost uh, rent. I'm saying low cost. <laughs> it was low cost to the people who went into them, but the cost of building them wasn't necessarily low cost. Right. It was socialized. Yeah, socialized yeah. housing. So uh, one thing I, I, I did this week was um, at the SEC, there was the caravan, country caravan show. Um, wow, it sounds like a hoot. <laughs> I, well, I went because um, I, I was filming it, but uh, I, I did have some personal interest as well because I often thought... Of getting how, a caravan. <laughs> how, how, how do I avoid paying extortionate amounts of money for a home via yeah. a mortgage? I don't want debt slavery. Yeah. I would much rather just build my own small place. Yeah. And that sort of okay. made me think... Living a okay. caravan, living a houseboat, canal boat, yeah, whatever. Canal yeah, canal boat. There's, there's a guy who lives yeah. in a canal boat uh, next to my work. And yeah. like, yeah, but you know really what? Small. The government will eventually get you on your canal boat. And <laughs> we've got all these utter, utter bastards living environmentally friendly lives on canal boats and they're not paying enough tax. You know, we have to find a way of getting them off those canal boats and buying the crappy houses, the crappy new build houses that we're building at extortionate prices. Yeah. So anyway, so I interrupted you there before. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what I found was even these caravans, even the smallest ones, yeah. I mean, of, of the affordable thing, it's yeah. just like... It's it's still like way more expensive than it needs to be. Because of, for instance, you know, well, it's like like the smallest one, like the size of a car, roughly. Right. The bed at the top, you're talking like twenty grand. Right. Still. Okay. So, so that's more expensive than my first flat. Right. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So it's like well, an absolute push. I might be able to save up and buy a caravan and then live in it. But then it's just like that's that's literally at a push, and I'm getting yeah. on the, like the lowest rung of the ladder. So um, I. I think that there was one section in the marquee that was just inflatable tents, and I think right. you would literally have to go that low on the on the market side yeah. for it to be realistic. For like, say, like a minimum wage nine to five job to be able to actually buy a house, you're talking yeah. about a fucking inflatable tent. An inflatable tent. Yay! And yeah. even then, it's a couple of grand, right? Can't somebody they, just what come if along that and tent falls like a, on someone like head. a big drawing pin and go? <laughs> And that's your big fucking inflatable well, yes, fucked. <laughs> which presumably is why they're five grand, because they have to pass all the regulations for, like, oh. non-puncturability. Non oh, for God's sake. So that okay. it doesn't fall down on your children and suffocate them or whatever. They're going to be living in this sort of inflatable house. Right? Like, <laughs> 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 the time you go up to bed with your cup of Horlicks, it'll be all over the shop. Like, you know. <laughs> 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 what the fuck am I on about? I should, uh, so, <laughs> right. I should explain. It's not yeah. like a bouncy castle. It's like... Right. In, I, I of, for that, right? You know the, the sort of yeah. foldable bamboo sticks that would always just be a nightmare? I don't know if you've ever set up a tent like that, but yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to right, okay. pressurise them and sometimes they snap. Do away with all that and just have inflatable tubes. You just sort of, you know, you, you shove them through flaccid right. and then you inflate and it sort of erects yeah well I can't think of I'm any 50 years, I'm 50 year old this year so shoving things through flaccid and getting them to get erect is something I'm getting quite used to so uh, yeah on that I think on that note yeah are we, nailed are we, it um, are we are we done with housing I mean like okay let's so. let's see good idea build more houses let the market do it uh See, the, the problem is, kiddies, whatever the government does, it doesn't have any money. The only money it can get is money that it takes by force from other people. You know? um, I, just give me an, an example of something that, right, okay, something that's close to my heart is, is veterans, okay? So I'm an ex-soldier. So... You know, there's this this is a problem with homelessness with veterans, there's a problem with suicide with veterans. You know, and a lot of guys who know I'm in politics go like, okay, what would you do for veterans when you're in? Well I go, well, well anything I can to make their life more livable and to help them. But the problem is and, and if anybody should get money from government, it should be veterans, right? Because they went on behalf of the government to foreign claims to kill people and be shot at and get gassed, whatever else hell else happened to them. So you'd think, well, you know, if anybody should get a handout from the government, it's veterans. So, um, I, I, but, sorry, correction, yeah. if anyone should receive charity, 
voluntarily it should be veterans. Well, yeah. not necessarily, right? Because okay, here's, sorry, here's, here's, here's the point I'm, I'm going to make, right? You could argue that they should get government money because it's the government that sent them to do the job. However, and they're government employees at the end of the day. But the fact of the matter is the government doesn't have any money. It can only get money by taxing. Yeah. And there are people out there who will quite rightly say, hang on a minute, these soldiers were not conscripts. Most of them are volunteers. Uh, in fact, all of them in the UK are volunteers. They're professional soldiers. That was their job. That was their living. And as much as I have compassion, I care more about the victims of war than I do, you know, I was against these wars. I was against it. I didn't send them. You know, they were sent to Iraq, they were sent to Afghanistan, and they were sent to these places, not in my name. Why should I be forced to pay for that? Even when it comes to veterans. And I completely get that. You know, I really do. So, um, and that's the problem when it comes to anything that the government does. Somebody who doesn't agree with it is forced to pay for it. And we were just talking earlier how it's weird. Uh, sorry, Steve and I were talking the way over here. When you talk to the left about the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, and they talk about Trident, even Jeremy Corbyn said, you know, we should be able to opt out of paying for Trident. They absolutely get it. They get taxation. They get why you shouldn't be forced to pay for things you disagree with. Until it comes to things that they agree with, and then suddenly, yeah, you should be able to use force to gather revenue that you, things you agree with. When you talk to people on the right, they fucking there's loads of things that they go, yeah, absolutely, shouldn't be paying tax for that, shouldn't be paying tax for welfare, shouldn't be paying tax for handouts to to you know to to people who are feckless. And you go, well, okay, but you do agree with taxing people for corporate handouts and for welfare and for for fighting, for fighting wars and for fighting defence. Yeah. You know, so both of you guys on the left and on the right actually get it in your own sphere, right? I shouldn't be forced. This guy says, I shouldn't be forced to pay for this guy's projects. And these people over on the right are saying, well, I shouldn't be forced to pay for those guys' projects. Guys, when will you ever get it? Nobody should be forced to pay for anybody else's pet projects. Taxation is theft, and the only way you can do it is with the threat of menaces, and it has to stop. Right on. So, until next time, don't be a dick. Or a fanny. Be a libertarian. If you want more Scottish Liberty podcasts, remember to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud.